I'm Sam Mitchell, and this is Thundercast. On this episode, we'll be interviewing our special ed teachers here at Eastern Green. Over here, we got our middle school um, special ed teacher, Mrs. Z. Then over here, we've got our high school special ed teacher, Mrs. Butler. Hi there. And then our elementary one, we have Mrs. Blaze. Hello. All right, so the first question to all of you is, what does special ed mean to you guys? For me, it's it's about helping students who somehow struggle manage to cope, to learn, to, to succeed. I would that That's what this, I think, special ed is for, personally. I think it's just a way to work um, with all kinds of kids. Um, I think that's the best part of this job is not only do we get to work with, I mean, personally in the elementary side, um, just kids with special needs, but we also get to work with whole classrooms and just inclusion and working together and um, just focusing on what we can do to design programming to help them from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. And I feel like Eastern does a really good job at, like, the whole picture of special education. Definitely. I mean, they accommodate to my resources perfectly. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, in the middle school, I think it's them finding their way that what learning tools work best for them and what um, accommodations they need and just learning how to, for them to advocate for themselves. And that makes it easier for them in high school where they can take the tools that they've learned in the middle school and the elementary and really apply it when they get to high school. We can take them from there and, and teach them how to apply those skills, not not only in the educational setting, but in the real world, you know, out on the job zone. So, Ms. Blaze, this is a question for you. Mm-hmm. What does special ed in the elementary involve? Um, we focus a lot on inclusion, so working with our kids that have IEPs within the classroom. So we may give them some time one-on-one outside of the classroom, but most of their services are given by myself. Um, I have three TAs, so we work hand-in-hand. We work co-teach with the classroom teachers, and we provide what each student needs within the classroom as a team setting. Um, So we do a lot of small groups um, with the whole class. We do do some things if if we have kiddos that need sensory things, we do some sensory things outside of the classroom, but most of their academics are done within the classroom. Um, so lots of small groups, lots of hands-on. Um, we take their needs, and we work with them on their level. So, Okay. And, Ms. Z, this is a question for you. How special classes offer in the middle school? Well, in the middle school, we have two type of programs. We have the inclusion program, like the elementary has, where we, like, there's a teacher or there's a TA in each of the, like, core classes that help modify tests and assignments or might do a little extra instruction with them, give um, take notes for them, and um, read tests or read materials to the special ed students. And then we also offer a pull-out program where, like, if a student is not quite at grade level or a little bit more behind their average peers, then they will take like their core classes in a self-contained classroom where we still teach the same state standards, but at a reduced level, more to their needs. So I think in the middle school, we, we um, I don't know, maybe departmentalize a little bit more with the kids and really try to 
fit their level. And to add to the elementary, we do, um, in addition to academics, we do social skills groups. So we we work a lot on our um, that aspect of learning because to function and life skills and things like that are important in their everyday life. So we do add those into the curriculum too. And just out of curiosity, those accommodations help, you think? or Oh, yeah. It levels the playing field for them and helps them kind of be able to do what their gen ed peers are doing. Gives them some confidence. Mm-hmm. So, Ms. Butler, this is a question for you. How does special ed education differ once they get to high school? It, we, we build on what the middle school has done. Um, we don't have inclusion at the high school level. We don't have the staffing for it. Um, but we have, again, two parts to our program. We have the uh, resource room where instead of the teachers going into the classroom with the kids, the kids come to the resource room to get their supports and their help. They go to a regular class. They'll listen to the lecture, do the work with the teacher, and then they'll sign out of there, go down to Mrs. Reagan's room. She's our other special ed teacher at the high school. Um, She'll go to Mrs. Reagan's room and sign in there and get whatever help they need between her and her TA. Um, And then the other part is similar to what Mrs. Z has with the pull-out program at the middle school. Awesome. That definitely helps, I believe. How did each of you get involved here at Eastern Green? Um, For me, I'm originally from Michigan, and I married a man from Eastern Green. And I taught for two years at Salem High School, but I wanted to kind of teach in the community where I was going to raise my children. And so when the new high school was built, they needed a special ed teacher in the middle school. So that's how I got my my place here at Eastern. All right. I've been here. This is my 17th year. And I went to Indiana University and actually just kind of applied for jobs all around. I have a degree in special education and gen ed. So this is what popped up. And I've been here ever since. Um, again, like Mrs. Z, I wanted a place where my kids were going to be going to school um, to teach in the same school district. And ever since then, I've loved it here and have had really no desire to leave and plan on staying here till I retire. Good, 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 good. I you like that attitude. I started out at, uh, I did, well, I graduated in December. So I subbed, which I don't recommend for anybody with any sanity. No, we need subs. Subs are wonderful. Bring them in. Um, went to Duggar Union for the rest of that semester. Did my first special education experience there. And then the job opportunity came open at Eastern. That was 31 years ago. So I've been here. And again, I plan to stay till I retire, but I'm a lot closer than you are. So um, this is a question for all of you, but what special ed like techniques or strategies do you use to help or motivate students? I try to, when I'm teaching, really show them how they're going to use this in their everyday life. And I think if they can see that, oh, I'm going to use this when I'm an adult, they really buy into it. Um, There's some things where it's hard to find that grasp or that connection, but anytime they can see that they're going to use it, then they tend to try a little bit harder, I think. I like to just just try different things, lots and lots of different strategies. If kids not getting it one way, we try a different way. We try to say it a different way. We try to show them a different way. Um, illustrations, visuals, all of those kind of things to help make it more realistic to connect in whatever way they learn best. And that may be 
may take three or four or five or six tries to get something that clicks, but we just keep trying until they get it. And I think in the elementary side, um, I think just self-awareness, like I'm really like upfront with my kids and let them know that their brains make certain things hard for them. So just being very honest and open and finding strengths and then working on those and then also working on the areas that we know they struggle in and that's okay. And I also think um, building relationships is super important. That's something I've really enjoyed coming back into special ed doing is having these kids now for two years and potentially having some of them for three years. You build those relationships and that trust um, and that open, honest relationship of working together and then working with the teachers together. I think that all is just so helpful to our kiddos. So, And once they trust you. Yeah, it's big. It's and once they difference. know that we're on their side and we're, you know, doing stuff to make make it easier for them, then they work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. So you got to earn their trust, kind of. Okay, so this is a separate question for each of you. Who or what has inspired you to become a special ed teacher? Mm. Well, for me, I had my little brother was the classic dyslexic child who struggled all through school and I guess when I was trying to find a career or you know what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to work with kids and I really thought I wanted to be a social studies teacher but I thought if I could do something to help a kid like my little brother you know that that's why I chose this area and it's funny as I teach I'll see kids that come along and I was like wow he's just like Jake or he, you know, he works like him, or one student likes football just like him and stuff. And so that's that's kind of the reason why I went into special ed. I started doing some volunteer. We had a family friend that was a special ed major at IU, um, and she took me to do some volunteer work at uh, an adult facility. Well, they had a preschool attached to the adult facility, and I was in there one day. I don't know why. And there, looked up on the wall, and there was this poster. I was already in an education program, or heading toward an education program. There was this poster that said, I look around and I say, why can't somebody do something? And then I realize I am somebody. And it hit me like a two-by-four between the eyes. And I was like, I need to do special ed, not just regular ed. You know, there's, there's more kids that need my help. I can help in better ways than this. And that's where I went. And I think for me, growing up, just I think I always gravitated to kids. I mean, I knew I wanted to work with kids, but just I, when I worked at summer camps, if there were kids that had differences or things that made it like summer camp hard for them, I would always end up being their buddy for the day. Um, my best friend growing up had a brother with Down syndrome, so I would end up playing with him most of the time, lining up his Ninja Turtles growing up. And then in college, um, I added special ed because I felt like it was really practical to teaching because a lot of the strategies and the things I learned in those classes made me a better teacher all around. So I felt like it just was the path I needed to take. So and even in a gen ed classroom, you still have the chance of working with kids with um, students that struggle, whether it's with special needs or behavior or environmental things, there's always some way you can use those strategies with all kids. That's why special is there for us. So this is another separate question for all of you. How do you help motivate students with challenging times at, in school? I think finding out um, what motivates them, like what excites them, their interest. Um, I think, again, the relationship is important. 
for motivation because, like Mrs. E said earlier, like sometimes they do it not because they want to, because they're doing it for you out of respect. Um, so I think motivating them and just being there for them, um, just being a constant cheerleader for them, and you know, talking to their parents. I think parent communication is important for motivation because parents can kind of buy into it too. So just that teamwork and just kind of just always being there to push them along and um, providing just a safe and happy learning environment. It's all about that trust. It goes right back to that. No matter what you have to try to get them to do, if they trust you, it's going to be easier to do it. And especially if they're in a challenge, they need to trust you, trust that you can help them fix it. And Ms. Blaze said about being a team. In my classroom, we talk about we're a team, we're a family, and I'm never going to give you anything that you can't do. Yes, it's going to be hard, but we're going to get through it together. So it's just really like the trust and being working as a team together. Definitely in it. You, everyone needs motivation. Next question is, what is an IEP and how does it work? An IEP is an individualized educational program. It's a legal document that's theoretically supposed to guide the educational program of that child that it's written for. Um, it is a legal document. It's a binding document. It's developed um, by a case conference committee at a meeting once a year. gets updated, gets revised, gets adjusted. Um, but it sets goals. Uh, it talks about where the child is what the child ought to be able to do next, goals, things that we want to work on in the future. What are our long-term goals? Just when a child hits 14, we have to add a transition plan to that. So we start talking about life after high school. Any outside services yeah. such as speech and language and occupational therapy and physical therapy and autism consultant, all that stuff is included in their services that are in their IEP as well. Along with accommodations that are available to use within the classroom. All the details of their educational program. And are they for different things or are they for like something and all together? Each student has, it's geared towards that individual student. So, you know, one IEP doesn't cover five students. Each student has their own plan that's, you know, like I said, geared towards them. Some, stu some students, it may be very short if they have very low-level needs. They don't need a whole lot of stuff, so we don't have to write nearly as much But a student that's very involved or has uh, a, a number of needs. Um, they may have a really long IEP, lots of pages, lots of stuff. Like 10 pages big. Uh, uh, 10 longer. pages about average. It might be 15, 16, 17. Oh. We get going. <laughs> and then on the elementary side, I mean, I would say most of our students qualify for IEP in the elementary, so there's testing done by our school psychologist. Our current school psychologist is Lindsay Bailey, so she does the testing um, to determine qualification of how, which eligibility will will be given to that student to qualify for special education. Okay, and this is another separate question for you all. How is teaching different in special compared to like a regular math classroom? I'll answer this. Um, I started in special education. I taught special education for two years, and then I taught various grade levels, second, first, a first, second split, but I always taught inclusion, um, so for 14 years, and then this is my second year back in special ed, so I can answer that. Um, it's not much different 
I think it's if you have a group of first graders, every first grader is going to learn math differently. So I feel like it's just finding the the way or the path that your student needs to learn that skill. So I think for me, I think it's not a whole lot differently, done differently. I mean, I just you go at it as the individual kids, whether they're a high-achieving student or a student who struggles in math. You have to find out what they need that's going to help them succeed and be better. I think because this year I'm in a sixth-grade math class and I teach a self-contained pull-out math, and I, I'm teaching a lot of the same topics, but I feel like, like I just move at a slower pace in the self-contained room. And like we said before, I'm using a lot of different examples and hands-on materials. So a lesson that might take just like a day in the general ed classroom might take me two or three days to get through in the special ed classroom just because I have to do more to get it to the student. But that also has, there's a difference in the number of students that we deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, I may see one student one hour a day. I may see the same kid five times a day. It just depends on the the needs of the child. And so for me, it's different because it's a lot more individualized. It's never the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. I very seldom do the same thing twice in one day, let alone, you know, like, like a regular teacher may teach the same subject, same class, exact same class three or four times a day. It doesn't happen for us. <laughs> it's, it's different every hour, every day, and you never know exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I think like um, what Mrs. Z said, slowing down, and I think in the elementary, do we do a lot of step-by-step. If it was math, we break it down into kind of each step and then practice that and revisit that um, constantly throughout the year. How do you all like manage structure in the classroom? You mean like discipline stuff? Yeah. Keeping them under control? Yeah. Once you establish that trust, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a big part of it. You, you just, you, I don't have a problem with it in my classroom. I once, once I establish, <laughs> once I establish that trust, uh, most of the time, now I'm not going to say that the kids are perfect. There's certainly some that. I not, think each grade, you know, each level has yeah. different things. Yeah. For me, I know that I can't have a lot of downtime. We have to be busy, busy, busy from the minute they walk in to the minute we walk out. Because when you have downtime, that's when the squirrels come out to play. (laughs) And I think um, on the elementary side, it's just teaching procedures and expectations from day one and going over those each and every day. And I think that's been just my kind of go-to in all of my teaching, you know, if this is our guidelines for reading groups. We're going to do this every single day. We're going to revisit it every single day because you think if you've said it 26 times, they should know, but they don't. You have to go over it every single day. So I think just those expectations mm-hmm. and then your, you know, trust. I agree. Trust then, is but, but what they do at the earlier grades builds mm-hmm. and that makes it easier on me. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, guys. You're doing great um, because they do learn those procedures when they're younger. And then they understand what school's all about. You have more potential for, like, the biting and the kicking and the, mm-hmm. the, the throwing things at the younger grades. But by the time they get to me in high school, they understand that that's not an acceptable way to handle it. And they've learned other skills. And if they're still doing those kind of things, then we have a lot more stuff we have to deal with and do. But it makes a difference at grade level and mm-hmm. what you have to deal with. So. I got you. I got you. So... 
this is just a personal question for all of you. What would be other career options if you weren't a special ed teacher? I would like to be a rock star. No. <laughs> no. Um, it will be a long time before I leave education, but... At first, I thought, oh, I'd like to be a director of special ed. And now I know I want, like, no part of administration. No way. No way. No way. So um, when I retire someday, I would like to be a job coach. I I love, like, teaching my kids about the community and how to do, like, bills and how to grocery shop and how to cook and how to do laundry. So I would like to do, I would still like to work with special needs people, but more a community-based program. I am actually currently working on a PhD, become a professor, and teach teachers how to teach. So that's kind of my goal here in a few years when I retire. Um, I agree. I I have no, I will be a teacher till I retire. Um, I think being like you said, collegiate level teaching incoming teachers, some things that I wasn't taught that would make my life, would have made my beginning years a lot easier, um, would be something interesting. And then on a totally separate thing, I would like to be a photographer because pictures are fun and they're relaxing. You take pictures for a yearbook. Yeah, (laughs) I, I would. It's funny how we all want to do something with education still, even when we leave. Yeah. Must be an addicting job. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So this is a separate question for you all, too. Has, has students taught you anything in your teaching career? Or, like, what is the most or what is the most memorable lesson a student has taught you? I think just flexibility. And it's okay to not be okay some days. And you're going to have good days. And you're going to have bad days. And we're going to get through it. So I think just that flexibility in life. And I take a lot of my students' challenges and apply them to my own life and say, okay, this isn't that bad. I can get through it. So I think it's very humbling to teach special education and um, rewarding. Um, So I think just learning to be flexible and kind of roll with it. Being able to, yeah, flexibility is like, should be the middle name of every special ed teacher because you have to get that. Um, I, I would say humility. Yeah, humility because you're going to screw up and they're going to point it out. And, and you got to take that and, and just a little bit of a thick skin and just them teaching me to laugh at myself and and just have fun with it. I don't know about a specific. And I don't. I don't. And I've learned to not take things personally um, with any kid. It's not personal if they're upset or angry. It's just it's something they're going through. So I, I think that's something in the last two years I've really a mindset change that I just don't take things personally. It's not me. It's just something my students trying to get through, and we're going to get through it together. So well, it's hard to – you guys have pretty much said a lot of what I feel. I guess I'm, I didn't realize how lucky I am sometimes – and how easy school was for me, and how these kids come, and it's like a battle for them every day when they walk in that door, whether it be, you know, they're already behind, and then sometimes social things come into play, but yet they show up every day ready to do it. And so I guess I realize I'm lucky 
that I didn't have to face that growing up. And it makes me want to work twice as hard for them because if they're coming behind the game already, then I need to show up for them too. Okay. So this is my final question, and this is a question for you all. All of it is like an outgoing question. So what is like the most rewarding and difficult things about being a special ed teacher? The most difficult easily is motivating someone who doesn't want to be motivated. A, a kid that just really doesn't care. There's nothing at home to make them care. They just don't care. That's the hardest place to be is to try to get them to want something they don't want. Um, and the most rewarding is that aha moment when they get it. You know, they've been struggling. They've been fighting it. And all of a sudden they go, oh, I see it. I get it. And then you're like, yes, happy dance. You know, that's that, that's a no-brainer. I think challenging is just figuring out your students. Um, like we said, it takes time to build that trust. So I think the initial groundwork um, when you get, I think for me, I mean, I'm getting these kiddos in kindergarten, so we are starting from the ground up. So figuring out their needs, um, what makes them succeed, what helps them during the day. So putting programming in place um, that's going to be beneficial to their learning and their success and comfortableness at school. I think that's the biggest challenge I faced in the last two years in this job. So I didn't know that was going to be that hard from kindergarten, you know, kindergarten. But some of my students now that we've, I've worked with for two years or even from the beginning of this year, I've made a lot of progress. So I think that's the reward, like kind of getting on your autopilot of we've done all this groundwork, but now we're having all these great days. So I think um, she touched on the progress. For me, it's seeing the kids make the progress over the year. And when they see how much progress they've made, that's awesome. The hardest part is when they have to take, like, the I-STEP test, and now it's I learn. And so they've made all this progress, and I keep telling them how great you're doing, and you're doing wonderful. And they might have started at a first-grade reading level, and we made it to a third-grade reading level, but then they have to take an eighth-grade test. And so I set this test down in front of them and, like, watching their eyes well up because that – the test is not at the reading level. And I've told them over and over and over, you've done great. You're doing wonderful. And they want to do well on this test, but they just can't. And we have we have to make them take it. And then you have to give them the scores. Yeah. And it <laughs> it doesn't what? it does not show them the progress they made. So I feel like sometimes that sabotages us. Definitely. All right, so that'll be it for us and thank you all for doing this. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thundercast. Please tune in for our next episode coming very soon. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at thundercast at egreen.k12.in.us. You can subscribe to hear every episode of Thundercast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Podbean. All content in this podcast is property of Eastern Green School Corporation and may not be used without express written permission or rights reserved.